0: back. It's up This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I
2: think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will.
1: I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame.
3: Achievement or a new milestone, they're not just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. like.
2: Now, to your hosts.
1: All right, Red Sox fans, welcome in. Red Sox, another week here on CLNS Radio. And, of course, we are, of course, brought to you by Loot Crate, the onslaught of big summer blockbusters Makes May the perfect time to celebrate some pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and objects. We've got something you can carry, something for your kitchen and cool figure to go with our monthly T&Pin. Featuring two Marvel Temps plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z. No one crate should have all this power. Make sure you head to lootcrate.com backslash CLNS and enter the promo code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at RedSox underscore B. Facebook is RedSocksB podcast. If you go to iTunes, you can subscribe, rate, and review us and share the wealth and spread the word on our lovely podcast. Um, guys, what's going on? Another week, another show?
3: Another week, another show. I'm excited.
2: Yeah, lots of fun yeah. topics to talk about this week, a lot of different storylines, and we'll be covering it all.
1: Yeah, it's very exciting, and uh, none other, we're, we're now joined by a very special guest, uh, Dan Roach, WBZ. I'm sure you've him on the Sports Hub as well. Uh, Dan, what's going on?
0: All good. Uh, you know, Why not? Red Sox are uh, tied for first place, so... Life is pretty good.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beginning of the year, we probably wouldn't have thought that was going to happen, so it's nice to see it for sure. Um, one guy that I have to ask you about, because these two know I'm nuts about him, is Xander Bogarts. Um, I'm already calling for this dude to go to the Hall of Fame, but is he, is he really the best uh, shortstop in the
0: league right now? Well, he's one of them. You know what I mean? The, the way he's playing, uh, he's, he's certainly, you know, top one, two, three. Uh, overall, when you talk about, you know, the, the beauty of the game right now is that there's so many good young shortstops coming through, you know, a guy like Bogarts, a guy like Carlos Correa, you look at some of the players that are there, uh, it, it's a fantastic crop of shortstops, but Sanders playing out of his mind. I mean, he comes in off a weekend where he was, what, like, 10 for 15, uh, two home runs, six or seven RBI, uh, made, a, made a great running play, a heads-up baseball play on Saturday as a part of a double play where he, he beat out a throw and then went all the way to third, and scored in the sack fly, so heads-up everywhere around, and yeah, I mean, he's a pretty special talent. The way he swings the bat, his approach, the way he uses off-field, now starting to develop a little bit more power. So, yeah, life is pretty good if you're a Xander Bogarts fan or if you have uh, stock in the Xander Bogarts company right now.
1: Are are you Do you need him to hit more than 20 home runs, Dan, to be happy? Are you happy with the – I know Derek Jeter comparisons have been thrown around a lot, but like 15 to 20, is that a comfortable range for him to be power-wise over the course of the summer?
0: I'd be more than happy with that. You know, I think you may get more, but uh, I'm fine with that. The way the kid plays the game, if you're number three hitter, if you're gonna hit three, you know, three twenty, three forty, three fifty, uh, with with fifteen to twenty home runs and, and eighty to hundred RBI and twenty stolen bases and a and a good defense or a real you know, above average defense. What what what's there not to like? Uh, you know, I, I hear a lot about the, the power numbers and everything else that he maybe needs more power, but. You know, Derek Jeter mm-hmm. had, had a heck of a career, a Hall of Fame career, and if uh, Bogart jumps anywhere close to that, I think he'll be more than satisfied as the Red Sox fan with what he does.
2: Well, he's definitely on that track so far, that's that's for sure. Dan, let's move <laughs> to the uh, to some of the pitching here, and let's start with the guy who has been the actual ace, not not who we, we thought was going to be the ace, but actually who is, obviously that's Steven Wright. Um, now at this point, two months into the season, a little over two months, do you think that Wright can keep this up this entire year, and if he does for the next month, he should definitely be in the All-Star game, right? And should he start the All-Star game? What do you think about this?
0: Well, he's certainly, uh, you know, close. I mean, you you think of guys that maybe are deserving of the opportunity, like Chris Sale is a possibility just off the top of my head. But, sure, with what you've seen from Stephen Wright, he has been the ace of this Red Sox team so far. And and he's a great story. You know, he's he's, he's battled a, a long time. It's been hard for him. Uh, But the one thing about Knuckleball is, and we've seen it firsthand with Tim Wakefield, is you you can get on a run. Uh, You know, we've seen it in the past with uh, Ari Dickey has done it when he won a Cy Young Award. You can go a whole season on that type of run. And so far, so good with Stephen Wright. When it it comes to a guy that was talked about as maybe securing and having a bullpen spot coming out of uh, Fort Myers to to where he is now as your, you know, top starter, uh, it's a great story. So, sure. You'd like to see him start the All-Star game. I'd just like to see him make the All-Star game and, and see if he can continue this run that he's on. But right now, the one thing you're getting out of Stephen Wright is a quality start, six or seven innings, uh, You know, a few hits, a couple of runs uh, with some strikeouts. I'll take that any day. So uh, he, he's a great story, a, a good addition to the starting staff, and certainly uh, they you know where they would be without him, who knows, because of what's happened around David Price and everybody else.
2: Do you think he would not make – would he would not be the starter of the All-Star game just because he's not a name guy?
0: No, no. I, I think there's a lot of factors nowadays that go into the All-Star game. Some of them is number of spots. Uh, I, I think when you look at the Red Sox and, and where they are, you know, and again, it's early June, so there's still a few weeks, but you know, think of who's going to possibly make this All-Star team from the Red Sox. You've got to start with David Ortiz, Xander Bogarts. Jackie Bradley Jr. and, you know, Mookie Betts is certainly a, a big argument there. Dust Pedroia is certainly having an all-star type first half. There's just, at some point, uh, you start to sit there and say, okay, how many guys, how many Red Sox players can we put on this team? That's all. Uh, he, he certainly would deserve it. I, I don't think the name is an issue. Uh, I think people around baseball certainly now know what Stephen Wright has done and what he's capable of. Uh, I think sometimes it might just be right around of spots when it comes to this uh, the pitching staff and just having to have guys from every single team in there. So that's the only way I could see it too, but uh, he, he certainly does deserve to be on the all-star team. Uh, whether or not he'd start, that's another matter, you know, for the manager timing and everything else too. Uh, but I, I hope he makes it just because he's a great story.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Dan, kind of staying with the pitching, um, are you, do you have any concerns about Eduardo uh, Rodriguez, like this last year, what he is, or is he still hurt? Like what's going on with him?
0: Well, I think it's early. You know, the fact that he got hurt in spring training set him back as we all know. I thought against the twins the other day. He came out, he had really good stuff. Yep, like everything was down, down and in, his uh, his changeup was good, his cracking ball was good, his fastball was four to nine. the problem that he ran into was maybe he got too fine and, and and tried to be too good and started walking people and that hurt him. So uh, I, I think he you know, think about it. He's he's maybe in his third start or so where other guys are in, you know, the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th start. So uh, I give him time, uh, and, I, and I, and you know, you sit him down, if you're Carl Willis, John Farrell, say, so listen, attack, uh, go right at him if you have that stuff, and, and don't be afraid to use it. So, no, I'm not worried about Eduardo Rodriguez. I, I think I, I like his makeup. I like everything about him. Uh, I just think he needs a little bit more time. So, uh, you know, certainly didn't have the best start when it comes to what he did Saturday in Minnesota. Uh, he needs to go longer to help out the bullpen. And, but uh, I think it will be okay.
1: Dan, obviously there's a lot of season left. Um, everyone's been playing well for the most part. Ortiz and Bogart's kind of primarily here for me, but um, who do you think is the most valuable to this team right now if you had to, if you had to pick one person, if you took one person off this team that would hurt them the most?
0: Oh, boy. Uh, that, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I kind of go with a tie with Ortiz and Bogart simply because of, of what they bring. I think Bogarts is, a, is, a, is becoming more and more of a leader, but David kind of has been driving the bus, and I think this year he's really driving the bus as far as, you know, playing for David, playing for him in that final season. Uh, so I, I think he's been your MVP so far. He continues to come up with big hit after big hit, but Bogart's certainly catching him uh, in that category. But I would say David Ortiz uh, right now with this team and everything that's going through him with, the, you know, the final tour and, and all that kind of fun stuff. So I, I would pick Ortiz and then Bogart certainly – you know, Betts and Jackie Proudly Jr. and company certainly have all right been there, too.
2: Just a quick, quick follow-up on that, Dan. If, if the season ended today as well, do you think David Ortiz would win MVP for the league?
0: You know, he'd be in the running. You know, you look at it, and, we, you know, we talk about different guys. Josh Donaldson is certainly one of the most feared hitters in the game. He's been banged up a little bit. Uh, trying to take off the top of my head some of the other players that, you know, perhaps would be up for that award. But, yeah, I mean, if the season ended right now, David Ortiz would be right there. Uh, in the argument, he's, you know, having a historic season even for him. So, uh, and where they, where they finished and what they've done, uh, you know, Mark Trumbo, a guy from Baltimore <laughs> is a guy that, that's, uh, had a, had a tremendous start too. So, you know, I, I think there's different guys, he, he, you know, Ian Desmond off the top of my head is another guy that's gone above and beyond. But right now, there's no question in my mind that David Ortiz is the most valuable player in the American League and with a guy like Pogarts right there in the running too. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think if we stop today, maybe I would, I would definitely give it to Ortiz. But there's still a lot of baseball left to be played.
2: Yeah, I just I just wanted to ask because I was just looking at the numbers earlier today, and he you know he leads the American League in, in doubles, in RBI, in slugging percentage, on base percentage. He leads the league in like half the category. <laughs> a it's nuts. It's crazy. It, so
0: it really is, and and what he's doing, it's it's, it's it's as we all know, it's amazing to watch. The only thing that I've, I've become concerned at is in Minnesota, he has noticeably uh, a bit more trouble running uh, you know we hit a ball at the center field wall and he, and he you know was forced to a single because he couldn't it, it, granted it was a laser but he was forced to maybe not be able to run as hard as he can so I worry about his achilles it's been a problem I think he goes through more than people know he's trying to get ready for every single game they're trying to manage that give him some days off but people talk about hey you should keep playing and I, and I would love to see it too but I really think it's taking a toll on his body and, and, you know, the the biggest priority of the Red Sox team is to keep them in in, in contention and to keep Ortiz preserved for the entire season because of how good he is. I I, I think people say, hey, why don't you come back and play for 30 million next year in my mind? You know, maybe he signs the, if you're ever going to come back, sign like a Roger Clemens deal and start after the trade deadline, start August 1st and and join the team for however many years you want to do it after that and pay him whatever he wants. So, uh, but I think managing David Ortiz is one of the big priorities of this Red Sox team going forward for the final three and a half months.
2: Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Kind of on the on a uh, one who's not doing as well, uh, Hanley Ramirez, he's kind of flying under the radar because the offense and the team is playing so well. Do you feel like he's getting a free pass?
0: Guys are going to go through, through their ups and downs, and you try to keep as many guys hot as you can and, and win ball games that way. So, you know, Hanley's a professional hitter. With me, again, it comes back to health. If he can stay healthy, I think he'll be fine. Uh, He's had a couple of uh, hiccups defensively, but for the most part, I think he's done a good job. So, no, I I don't worry about him from the sense of, should we you know, move him? Should we put someone else at first or something like that? Uh, I I think he's been just fine. And, and again, to me, if he stays healthy, I think he'll be fine as the season goes on, and he'll start to pick it up and hit better and everything else. So uh, I I think they're good when it comes to Hanley Ramirez, despite some worries from people out there. I think uh, calm, calm down a little bit. Uh, I think Hanley will be okay.
3: That's, that's reassuring to hear. Uh, <laughs> and, and staying in the infield with Travis Shaw, is this the real him, or is he just in a slump? Do we have anything to worry about with him?
0: Well, I, I think now you find out. I mean, that's the, the beauty of baseball is, you know, we've seen guys come out and perform at elite levels. We've seen Jackie Bradley, Jr., come out and, you know, hit 350 in the month of August, uh, you know, last year, and then hit 220 in September, and then come out and, 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 and go at it again. Guys, it happens all the time with with certain guys. They'll they'll struggle, and they'll come back, struggle, come back. Uh, Travis Shaw has had an awful lot of success. He's got a makeup. His dad was a major league ball player. He, you can see it in him, the way he walks, the way he acts. He's got an air of confidence about him as far as being a big leaguer. Uh, but you go through a period of time where you get challenged with a fastball, and, and that's what major league pitchers do. Uh, and they'll do that until they start to get beat. And they started to get beat the first two months of the season. And now, they're, they're, you know, scouts, advanced scouts, they're all looking at him and saying, how do we beat him? How do we attack him? And they're finding out. They're throwing him off speed stuff. They're trying to pound him inside and then throw stuff away. Uh, and it's working. So now the, the, the beauty of the game is, is you adjust back. You, you look at what and how they're attacking you. You work with your pitching coach, or excuse me, your hitting coach. You say, how do we attack back? This is what we do. We need to jump on this, look for this, look for this spot, look for this pitch in this certain spot because they're not going to throw you a fastball, and, and then you adjust back. So now we're at that point with Shaw. Can he make that adjustment back? So now will decide whether or not uh, he's, he's a, a flash in the pan or if he's a consistent big leaguer. If he can adjust, steady himself, get back, I think he will be fine. If not, you know, he may turn you back down to the minor leagues and then we'll see after that. So all part of the maturation process from a kid who's done real well so far, but he's kind of teetering right now as far as, uh, can he be an everyday, uh, good, solid major league player? He's just not there yet.
1: Okay. We're talking to Dan Roach here, WBZ TV, and of course 98.5 the sports hub. Um, Dan, Obviously, we know the pitching is the biggest issue, I think, on this team, and it's really not a shocker for me to say that to you. But um, what with trade chips like Swihart and Travis being hurt, what can they realistically do? What, what does Dombrowski have up his sleeve come deadline time at this point?
0: Well, I, I think it's patience. I think that's the biggest thing with Dombrowski is, you know, they made their moves in the offseason. They came up the prospect to get Kimbrell. They signed David Price. And, and now you sit there, and, and like you said, you got a couple guys banged up. You've got Swihart, who could be out for the season. You got, you got a kid like Sam Travis who's out for the season. You have a lot of chips at the double A level, some of the, uh, in the high A level. Uh, I, someone in the Red Sox front office told me, you know, about three weeks ago that, uh, when he went to see yeah, the high A level of Red Sox players, the Volcatas of the world, the Teavers, uh, Ben Attendees, that it was the best collection of young minor league hitters he's ever seen in his 20 year, you know, career of, of, of being in the game. Those are your chips that you have. The question is, who do you give up? You know, do you feel like it's a Ben and Is he, or is he too elite? Uh, is, is it a Mokata? Do you think you can adjust it and, and go? So if you're Dombrowski and Mike Hazen in the company, you have to have these conversations and then you have to go out and see what's out there. And if there's something that you feel is, is good enough to give up a young player, then you go get it. If it's not, then, you know, maybe you chip the scrape and, and find some guys that will give you innings, some veterans, some veteran pitchers, uh, some relievers, uh, and, you, and you bring them in and you wait. And then you go out and see what's available in the offseason. So uh, I think they're pretty smart. I think they know what they have. Uh, and I think that they'll give up certain guys, but they won't give up others. So, you know, whether it's the spy Arts of the world, uh, whether it is a Sam Travis one day, whether it is a Moncada. Uh, whether it is the Devers, and then you look at who's also behind. You know, Beth is going to be in the outfield, Jackie Bradley Jr. So you, all those factors come into play here. I know that's not really a direct answer, but I think, you know, you kind of trust Dombrowski and Nathan and company to say these are the untouchables in our, in our farm system and then make the right move and say yes when you feel like that guy's there that can help you win and contend for a playoff spot and win a world championship.
2: Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. If they get someone, because obviously I know there's been talk of Sonny Gray, Julio Tejeron, those kinds of guys. So it, I mean, who knows what we have to give up for those guys, especially I guess Gray because he's young, but he struggled too. So I guess I guess we'll just see what, what happens. Um, but but sticking on with the pitching, Dan, uh, there's been a lot of a lot of talk about who the fifth starter should be now that the Sox are going to need a fifth starter soon. Here, I know there's talk of uh, Rowanus uh, Elias, Elias. Um, being the top contender now. Do you think they're better off with him than they are with, say, Clay Buchholz or Joe Kelly? Because obviously they're the people everyone knows, but they both struggled. So do you think going to a different option would be good, or should they try one of them again?
0: Well, I, I think it's an interesting uh, conversation uh, from the sense of, well, let's begin with, I think Joe Kelly's banged up, so you may you know rule him out. Uh, I, I think if you look at Elias and, and what he's done in the minor league level, he's certainly pitched very well his last several starts. He's kind of the obvious guy that you would give the opportunity to. Henry Owens hasn't really taken off uh, on the same level of uh, as uh, Elias just yet. Uh, another name in consideration, and, but then you also sit there and say, if you're John Farrell and Carl Willis and Dave Dabrowski, uh, hey, you know, do we give Clay another shot? You know, because the one thing about Clay Buchholz is people—you can rip him all you want, and you, yes, he's underperformed this year and everything else, but there's always. When he's healthy, and he seems to be healthy, there's always a run in Clay Buckpost for the sense of he can go 10 or 11 starts and 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 be almost unhittable. Go nine and one, eight and two, seven and three with a low ERA. He has that in him. So if you give him another shot, you have the potential to get him on another run. So I think that's the one thing that's being weighed. So right now, uh, you'd say Eliash is the is the favorite, uh, but. A guy like Clay Buckles could be worth a gamble. Or do you just continue to let him work out of the bullpen and see if he can get better and better and better and then give him the start?
1: I will say you just made Jess very happy uh, <laughs> that you are praising Clay Buckles because we don't do enough of it on this show, Dan. So you've probably made it <laughs> very <do>. happy, Dan. <laughs> I am the number one person to bash Clay Buckles. So you have just made Jess a very happy I'm man. I'm number one but, of him. So there we go. Yes. <laughs>
0: pretty much. Well, pretty um, much, yeah, again, it's. We, 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 we live in such a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society and stuff. And, and baseball, it's a long journey. And, you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say Clay Buckles is the best and the greatest and everything else, but he, he has those runs in him. And, and keep in mind, this is a kid who, you know, in 2013, you know, his, his shoulder was, was hurting, and he went out and gutted through five innings in a critical game in, in St. Louis in the World Series and helped them win a World Series championship. So you can say what you want about him. You can call him this and, and make fun of him and everything else. He does have it in him. Uh, the question is, will he have it in him again for the Boston Red Sox? But I'm not as quick to dismiss guys just because I know how difficult it is and I know that you have to show patience as a general manager uh, when it comes to what you're trying to accomplish over 162 games. That's all.
1: Yeah, no, I I can see both sides of it. I just, I hate, I'm getting sick of waiting for him at this point because it's been so consistent over the last years of just being inconsistent. But um, one question I have for you, Dan, is, the David Price situation, and I don't really think it's much of a situation, um, but I want to ask your t- thoughts on it because I've seen some people say, you know, Price still isn't pitching well enough. I personally think he's doing really well. At this point, he's gotten back on track. Um, what's your take on David Price so far? Do you think he's starting to figure it out? Obviously, Tuesday in Baltimore is going to be a huge start for him uh, with them tied with Baltimore for first place. But what's going on with David Price right now? Um, is he living up to – I can't say living up to his contract cause it's a crap ton of money, but is he doing okay right now for your liking?
0: Well, I went and looked at his numbers today and uh, looked at last year when he had, you know, whatever his, his numbers were fantastic last year. And basically, through 13 starts, he's got very comparable numbers. Almost, he's almost, he's giving you seven innings. He's going to allow five, six, seven hits. He's going to allow two earned runs. He's going to walk two or three, and he's going to strike out six or seven. Those numbers are almost identical from last year to this year. The only difference is this year, uh, in, t- in 17, uh, uh, in, excuse me, in 32 starts last year, he gave up 17 home runs. In 13 starts this year, he's given up 10 home runs. So the long ball has hurt him. It uh, hurt him in San Francisco. But especially if you go back and look at his last six starts, he's been pretty consistent and it's been pretty much what you'd expect out of David Price. The question is, because of the money spent on him, do we have too, too much of a high expectation for him every time he throws the baseball? where you expect him to throw seven shutout innings and strike out 12. Uh, that That's not necessarily him. So it depends on what your level of expectations are. Uh, I think he's settled in. I think he's going to get better, and I think he's been just fine so far. Uh, he hasn't been great. He hasn't shown us that greatness that we've seen, but I think he's been pretty good. And I think if he continues to pitch the way he's pitched the last uh, you know, half a dozen starts, I think he'll be just fine.
1: Yeah, no, I'm definitely with you. I think David Price is, is, is trending in the right direction for sure, and I think, I guess we'll leave it there, Dan. Um, again, Dan Roach, WBZ and the Sports Sub. Dan, we appreciate it. Don't be a stranger. You're more than welcome to join us anytime you'd like.
0: All right, my pleasure. Enjoy the uh, rest of the season as we keep going. It's fun. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Dan.
1: Okay. All right. Yep. Okay. Thanks, Dan. That is Dan Roach, WBZ and The Sports Sub. We appreciate him joining us on this show. Guys, he's awesome. I love Dan Rose. Yeah, um, <laughs> his pers- his personality is so great, and I listen to him a lot. Um, if you if you guys listen to the Touching Rich program on 95 Sports Hub, so he's obviously on with them a lot. Um, and his, he, That's where his personality shines, and I love That's why I had to get him on. Uh, he's a great guest. So I'm sure we can snag him on at some point down the road. But, Jess, um, you must be really happy with the way he was talking about Clay Buckholz.
2: Yeah, between, uh, between him talking about Buckholz's enthusiasm for just baseball and life in general, that was great. I enjoyed the heck out of that.
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely great. Um, And of course, Dan Roach was brought to you by Blue Apron. Uh, Blue Apron's mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the high standards and ingredients, and building a community of home. Chef's Blue Apron has established partners with over 150 local farms, fisheries, and across the United States. As a result, seafood is sourced sustainably under standards developed in partnership with the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch. Beef is raised humanely. Chickens are free-range. Pork is raised naturally. Uh, cooking together obviously builds strong family bonds as well, and that's part of what they are doing. Uh, the three of us have been using Blue Apron now um, for a while, and, and I've had great experiences with them so far. I know you guys have too.
3: Yeah, it's been fun to get like just different meals every week, and I've never had a bad one yet. So keep them coming.
2: Yeah, they've all been <laughs> great. I'm actually uh, making one tonight after the show. We're there you go. The devil.
1: Yeah, you go. What are you making?
2: Um, I actually don't know. We got three options, and we haven't decided yet what we're gonna what we're gonna do. Oh. So we got a couple options. I know we got some uh, huevos rancheros. Oh, I'm jealous. Yeah, and I know we got we got some salmon too. So we got a, we got a couple really good options. We'll have to raid the fridge and see what we feel like tonight.
3: I made the, yeah. I made the salmon. Um, Yesterday, steakhouse salmon. Oh, it was so cool.
1: good.
2: That's the one I, oh, have, I had. Yeah.
1: I got that. I got that one too. It's so good. Oh, f-
2: I had pan salmon last week. Now I got steakhouse salmon this week. So, give me all Dude, the salmon. You, you guys can never
1: go wrong with salmon. So. Cool. Uh, that. <laughs> That is for sure. But there's more than salmon and, and they have variety. They're very flexible and it's very easy step-by-step directions. Um, it's a great thing. And, and check out this week's menu and get your two free meals with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash redsoxbeat. You will love how good it feels and tastes to create memorable home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash beat. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Um, and of course, which is brought to you by Blue Apron, um, guys. He made a lot of good points. I know we had touched on. Um, we started with Xander Bogarts because I had to, um, guys. I honestly think he could win the batting title and maybe even league MVP by the end of this year. He's that good. I think.
3: Yeah, he's really shown his, his true colors, I guess you could say, for, for this season. Just on the field or at the plate, at shortstop, just he's doing everything right, and he's been so much fun to watch. He's just. He's really just, like, I mean, the whole team is a bright spot this season, but he's just one to talk about each and every week.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even specify it, but when I, when I came up with the question about would you give MVP to Ortiz or Bogart, I meant league MVP. I know you, you said team MVP, and that works perfectly well, too. We asked them both, but I would, my mindset was on the league MVP just because, like I said, I was looking through the stats for both of them, and they're just absolutely nuts. These guys are unbelievable this year, and I know it makes sense because the offense is obviously the best offense in the league been the case the entire season, no question about that, but with these two guys leading it, it's just like, their numbers are absolutely nuts, like <laughs> 360, or T hitting 345, like they are, literally, they can't, every game, like every game's two, three, four hits, home runs, yeah. RBI, everything, it's just, it's amazing, I can't believe how good Bogarts is, it's The batting wow. title was what,
1: what did, what did Miggy win the batting title with last, last year, like 320? Um, I think it was I,
2: like 330 was something, 335 maybe.
1: Like, I'm pretty sure Xander Bogarts is going to win the batting title at like 340 this year. Like I just, I know it's only June. I should really ship pump the brakes on him, but I don't even care because just watching him like with the eye test, you can tell he's been impactful in a lot of these games. I know the four for five effort was with the twins and we're going to recap the week here in a minute, but still it was eye test. He, he's a pure hitter.
3: Yeah. <laughs> just, just how
2: good he is at everything. Just like defense hitting, you know, he's got the power stroke. Now RBI base running like he does it all. I, I, I I know I said before the season, like, I think Betts has a higher ceiling, and now I may still think that overall, but just based on what we've seen so far, Bogarts is just out of this world.
1: Yeah, no, Bogarts is um, playing well, of course, and I'm very biased because he's my binky, but he is phenomenal, and I think that he's half the reason, if not more, why this team is really going, and he's in a great spot hitting in the three-hole. Jess, why don't we recap the week real quick? Get get people caught up on what happened, and then we'll jump back into what to- what kind of bigger topics were the games this week because there's some stuff to talk about with happened in these games.
2: Yeah, shorter week this week. Um, overall, it was a three and two week. Thank you, thank you. I know I got the series is wrong, but I still got the overall. Right <laughs> win, so I'm just going to continue to to uh, <laughs> praise myself for my picking. <laughs> well, no one saw them losing to the J- Twins at all. So no. yeah, that was could have easily been a sweep. Could have been either. It was obviously. Yeah, we'll get into that. But the Giants series was. A really fun one. That was a great series. Just two games. Too bad for, for fans' they it couldn't have been more because it was <laughs> it was great. Um, oh, I know. Really exciting series. A lot of really close games. Uh, so we'll start with Tuesday. This was an extra-inning affair, a 10-inning game, and the Red Sox won 5-3 to over the Giants. A lot of scoring early in this game, but then that was it until late. Um, second inning, Chris Young got an RBI double to start the scoring off. Uh, Bogart's got an RBI single in the third inning to make it 2-0. Uh, but then uh, Jarrett Parker hit a home run off of uh, Rick Porcello, who started the game. It was Porcello against Albert Suarez, a rookie, who was just getting his like, second or third start. They both pitched really well. Uh, that was the first pickup for, for Porcello, the Parker home run. He made it 2-1. Uh, and then Porcello really fell apart in the fourth inning. He loaded up the bases. He walked Brandon Carford with bases loaded to tie it at 2. And then Gregor Blanco grounded a double play scored a run. That made it 3-2, but Porcello mm-hmm. settled down after that. He was good for the rest of the time, uh, and then the Red Sox tied it up in the seventh inning, um, and this was excellent, excellent awareness by uh, Chris Young. It was a David Ortiz ground out, and um, he got thrown out at first eventually, but it was hit to the uh, second baseman, and Chris Young was running to second, but he stopped, gave Jackie Bradley Jr. enough time to get home and while well, Ortiz was going to first, and he stopped, and then he ducked down, And he was trying to get tagged out by the fielder, and he literally missed him by, like, a fingernail, and he just got low enough below the tag to not get tagged out. And he ended up not getting tagged out, and Bradley scored and tied the game at three. That was a huge play.
1: Yeah, it was crazy. And watching it in full speed, I thought he got tagged. Um, I I I was like, how the heck did he avoid that? And then they show it in, like, super slow-mo, like they like to do sometimes. Um, and he, like, it was inches that he missed getting tagged by. So, obviously, great heads-up play by Chris Young, and he's been someone, and we could have asked Dan about this, but we didn't, but he's been playing really well as of late as well, uh, and he's showing the reasons why I think a lot of people liked his signing as well when they first got him in the offseason.
3: Yeah, I mean, I didn't really think he'd be so such a clutch player. I mean, I knew he was going to be you know, decent, but he's just come up so big when we really need him to, and especially lately with Swyhart out, and he's just really stepped up and, He's proven that he can still play baseball and still just be a clutch player.
2: I mean, I can't say that I didn't expect it because I predicted him to get 23 to 28 home runs this year. So
3: good, good.
1: <laughs> that,
2: might, that may be a little bit off considering he has five right now, but he's gotten all five of them recently and has been playing the lights out. And he's, his average has gone way up. He's gotten the, the home runs. He's made some nice plays in the field. And obviously with base running plays like this, that always makes a huge difference because base running gets over overlooked and it's a huge part of the game which we saw numerous times this week so that was exciting and yeah it was fun to watch that super slow-mo replay because it just shows you how close some plays actually can be because that was nuts how close that was all right so that tied the game at three and sure enough because it was tied at three it went to extra innings and in the top of the 10th inning xander bogart city you know xander Bogarts, <laughs> that guy uh two <laughs> rbi singles. i stud,
1: that's all my, my boy
2: yep he won the game, two RBI single to center field, gave the Sox a 5-3 lead, and then Craig Kimbrell shut him down in the bottom of the 10th, two, three. Sorry, he overhit. But he didn't go up any runs or walks. Um, got the three outs. Sealed it up for the Red Sox. Porcello pitched well. Uh, besides one inning, overall six innings, five hits, three runs, six strikeouts. Good, solid game. Very good win. And uh, started off the week on a good track. Um Brought us into Wednesday. It's funny, these games were 10, 15 games, and I'm sure a lot of fans stayed up for both of them because they were so close the entire time, both of them. So they killed, the Sox slowly killed the uh, Red Sox population as they got up early for work the next day. But hey, you know what? It's fun. (laughs) (laughs)
3: That's the commitment you make on West Coast games.
2: That's right. Yeah. Yep. If they're close, you know, I can't go to bed in a close game. I know that. So (laughs) no matter what time it is or what time I have to get up. So that's what happened. It was it was another really good game on, on uh, Wednesday, and this was the game that everyone expected to be good because it was David Price against Madison Bumgarner, and they lived up to their billing. Bumgarner pitched six innings, four hits, one run, one walk, five strikeouts. Price, eight inning complete game, three hit, two run, two walk, seven Ks. The difference is one home run. We'll get to that in a second. Start in the fourth. Um, after three dominant innings for both of them, Chris Young hit a home run. <laughs> Speak of the devil. That guy. Um, that was his uh, fifth of the season and he made a one, nothing. Unfortunately for the Red Sox and price Brandon belt. And I know this has been used a lot, but he belted
1: a oh. really
2: long home run. I, I hate you so much. <laughs> that was a belt though. I mean, he, he
1: just no, it was. That. I agree.
2: That's like what belt, the, the word belt was made for. <laughs> just, <laughs> he hit it all the way to McCovey Cove. It was a blast. He hit it so far right into the water. The fan was swimming out there, picking up the ball, freezing. It was great. Um, for everybody that wasn't a Red Sox fan. Yeah, I was like, so it was not great. What are you talking about? <laughs> it was cool. It was fun to watch, just not for us. Yeah, it was Um,
1: it was tough. My brother was at that game, so he was texting me all furious. I was already in um <laughs> it,
2: And you admitted <laughs> not being one of those fans who stays up all night long. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I had a rough week, so I, I did not stay up. I've stayed up the night before, too, which is the funniest part. I stayed up for the game that wasn't supposed to be better. I um, oh, saw the
2: win, so that's good.
1: I did see the win. But, but... David Price is getting a lot of attention from this game because he, let, he gave up, obviously, that home run. Um, and that It was a meatball, it really was. He served up a curveball to a guy who should not have been getting a curveball. But I don't blame him for the reason why the Red Sox lost that game. Some people are, and I think that's just ridiculous. And that's kind of why I asked Rochi about David Price and how he feels about it because some guys are still questioning his, 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 his uh, gonads, I guess you can call it, and his ability to pitch in big spots and win those 2-1 games. So people are questioning that still, so I think that's ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's it's obviously tough. This game was tough. He um, just to skip ahead. Um, he pitched great until the eighth inning, gave up a leadoff home run to Mac Williamson, uh, a guy who's barely even played before, um, and that made it two to one. First pitch of the eighth inning, and then that was it. The, the uh, Giants won two to one. Uh, Price put, pitched the entire game. Like I said, only three hits the entire game. Two of them were those two home runs. So really, it was just the just the wrong wrong hit at the wrong time. He pitched. The same amount of uh, six more pitches than Bumgarner in two more innings. You know, at one point Bumgarner was at 100 pitches and Price was at like 70, so Price was a lot more um, economical with his pitches, which was obviously great to see because there's been numerous Price starts this year where he's pitched five innings and he already has like 95 pitches. This was not one of those games, which was great. But yeah, yep. just one bad one. Uh, one bad pitch at, at a bad point in the eighth inning when it was when it was one to one. So definitely a really good start from him. It was definitely really encouraging overall for me and price is just, is, I mean, at this point, I just don't hundred percent feel comfortable with him every time i know he's pitched better and I'm not like dreading starts by any means, but it's not, I don't have like that feeling like, ah, I know this is going to be a great game. I'm still not hundred percent sure. Every time he goes out, I feel better about it, but, and maybe it's the money speaking and maybe it's the expectations we all have. <laughs> I know we just, we talked about that earlier and that's probably part of it, but it's just, I don't know, just a little sliver of me just does not feel comfortable all the time.
3: Yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, I, it's funny. I don't, like, just like you said, I don't get that, oh, it's going to be a great start feeling. But I also don't get that, like, when Joe Kelly's on the mound kind of feeling. <laughs> so, oh, it's right in the middle, like, I don't really have expectations. Like, if he does bad, I'm going to be like, well, we've seen this before. He does just great. I'm going to be happy. So it's, it's a little <laughs> happy medium with David Price.
1: Um, with David Price I, I can see why people feel like that but I think I, I, I brought it up when I asked Dan the question too but he Tuesday's a big start for him guys when, when we and we're can we obviously going to look at that week ahead too but you're playing Baltimore on Tuesday with a you're tied for first place with David Price pitching your next game against Baltimore that's a game that he needs to win and he needs to win in dominant fashion to really show that he okay guys I'm your ace let's go get on my back
0: and
2: it's also a huge game I and for that same reason, because he's pitching Tuesday and Stephen Wright's pitching Wednesday. If Wright has his normal start, if Price is a dominant start on Tuesday, there's two wins against the Orioles right there in games you want right. to win because that's supposedly, at least this year, your two best pitchers.
1: Especially if two, you win later in the year. If you guys are battling with the um, these two teams are battling all year, these wins within the division are huge, and they haven't been that great in the division as of late. So they need to get every win as possible, of course.
2: Right, and when you're looking at at those two games that, you know, you got your... You got your guy who's is 209, and the guy you paid $217 million. You want to win those games at home, absolutely. Yeah. So, definitely something to watch for. Uh, we'll look forward to that and preview it a little bit later. Um, so, that was a giant series, just those two games. Uh, one and one easily could have been 0-2, easily could have been 2-0, and 0. easily could have been one and one It <laughs> really could have gone anywhere. <laughs> It was It was a fun series. I really enjoyed it. So, I didn't feel bad about me saying they were going to lose both, because it could have happened. But, like I said... It could have gone any which way. That's what great series are. That's, I wish all series were like that. That's that's fun. That's that's what you want to watch. Good baseball. Yeah. Which brought us into the weekend series. Another off day Thursday. It's off day city this week. Um,
1: well, that's why you'd never fit starter because all these off teams Right.
2: Plenty of time to get some rest. Uh, which brought us into the Twins series. We all predicted sweep, and we looked really nice after uh, after the first game on Friday. Eight to one victory over the Twins. Um. This was an interesting game because it was scoreless through four innings. It was kind of like it was kind of like, oh, well, where's the offense? This is the worst team in the league. We should be getting run, 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 runs. But fortunately, yeah. fortunately, with bad teams, you just gotta wait. <laughs> <laughs> and usually, the wheels fall off. Whether that's bad defense, bad pitching, no offense. It's kind of everything for them. Their, their defense blows. Their their offense is terrible. Their pitching's awful. <laughs> So it worked out well in all in all regards in this game. Uh, Xander Bogart, speak of the devil, had a three-run homer Boy. in the fifth inning, made it 3-0. That was uh, a great start and broke the ice, got on the board. Uh, and then it was just bombs away from there because in the sixth inning, three more runs, a Christian Vazquez RBI single, Dustin Pedroia RBI double, Xander Bogart's again RBI single, and all of a sudden it was 6-0 after six innings after it was scoreless through four. So that was a good mm-hmm. start. Um, the Twins got one back in the eighth inning on a ground out, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. got a two RBI triple in the ninth inning to make it eight one. So the offense was flowing. Bogarts was four for five with four RBI. <laughs> um, <laughs> Pedroy was three for five with an RBI. Bradley was two for five with two RBI. It's a really good offensive game, and of course, on the mound, our man Stephen Wright. If you're sitting here wondering who's putting up all these zeros, uh, Stephen Wright seven and third. Excuse me, seven hits, one run, it wasn't even earned. Two walks, six strikeouts, and as you said earlier, it improved his ERA to 2.09, and his record is now 7-4, and four more getting to the track of what it should be with that ERA.
1: Yeah, and this is just getting ridiculous with Stephen Wright pitching as well. I know it's the Twins, but Xander Bogart's going 4-5. for five. Um, What? I mean, there's nothing really much you can say. It, it, they did what they were supposed to. They took care of the Twins, and they moved on to the next game.
2: Well, this this was good, too, because it's like, you you know, you see if someone struggles against a bad team, you really question them. If they do well against a bad team, you're like, yeah, this is what should be happening. But then you also have to think about, like, these guys, we think they're, like, these really good players – if they can hit these bad teams, that just shows you really how good they are because they can do these things against these good teams. Bogarts gets four hits against his team. Clearly he's really good because he's just destroying bad teams, which just means he's even better than you think. Steven Wright pitching great. It's like, yep, he just continues to pitch well against the teams he should be. just shows you that he's even better. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. No, I definitely agree. Um, he's been doing it against everybody, so it's just amazing to watch, and I'm, I'm excited that we're still going with it. I
2: could
3: yeah, watch yeah. that knuckleball all day. Just, so good. Oh my god, I I must like the Red Sox posted a video of it, and I must have just watched it like six times over. It was just so good.
2: I'm pretty sure you share videos of every Stephen Wright start.
3: I <laughs> like when they do the slow motion of a knuckleball, and you just watch it just float. It's just oh, it's amazing. I I'm, I'm gonna watch it after we do the show.
1: <laughs> I guess like with Stephen Wright, what were you
2: like with Nick, Tim Wakefield? Like <laughs> right, so many years of that. <laughs>
3: yeah, I didn't have social media, when Tim Wakefield was a. <laughs>
2: That is very true. You <laughs> was there a long time to to enjoy. So, but yeah, I mean like like Dan Roche said, it's it's guys like that can get on runs and they've all done it. You know Wakefield and this prime is doing this. R. A. Dickey had his MVP year, um Cy Young year, and Wright's doing it now. It's just Wright's more unexpected than them because, you know, he's already in his 30s and it was like, "Whoa, this guy yeah. can do this? It's awesome." It's, <laughs> it's really fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so this brings us into um Saturday. Another one of those games. I mean, a little deceiving because four nothing after one inning, but then scores for the next four innings to the Red Sox. So it's like, huh, what's going on with this team? Like, why, why aren't we just beating them to a pulp? Start at the beginning. Uh, Bogarts RBI double in the first inning. Speak of the devil, always. Um, and then Jackie Bradley Jr. threw on homer in the first inning, and it was four nothing after after half an inning, uh, which was great. Uh, unfortunately, Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, didn't feel like keeping that lead. He held him down for the first three innings, scoreless, which is a really good sign. But then in the fourth inning, he gave up a 3 run homer to Kurt Suzuki. That made it 4-3. And then an inning later, Trevor Pluth tied it with a sack fly. And all of a sudden, boom, that 4 nothing lead against the worst team in the league, gone. <laughs> Absolutely gone like that. 4-4. Four four. And uh, Rodriguez only lasted four and two-thirds innings. Six hits, four runs, four walks, four strikeouts. He did not look good.
1: Yeah, no, he didn't, um, and it's a hiccup game, I know, but it's just, it's, it, it wasn't, I mean, it was fun to watch, it's baseball for me, but like, it, it was tough because he, he didn't look consistent as he had been, and it wasn't great, it wasn't great pitching.
3: No, it wasn't, and it doesn't get much simpler than that, it just wasn't good pitching at all.
2: And as we said, when you have a bad outing against a bad team, that's even worse, because you're like, wow, this guy came pitching against the worst team. It's mm-hmm. That's not. Yeah. Comforting. <laughs>
1: no, it's not. It's really not cuz the twins are not good.
2: We'll get to him after we do the recap cuz I do want to talk about him a little more. But back to this game, um <laughs> like I said, 4 to uh 4 to 4, uh Sox took a 5 to 4 lead in the 6th inning and then it was bombs away, 8th and 9th inning, five runs apiece in both innings. That those innings took forever this game would just not end. It's runs, 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 runs. Uh the final was 15 to 4. Some highlights, Bogarts had a two-run homer in there. Uh, Sandy Leone had a two-RBI single. Chris Young had a two-RBI single. Mookie Betts had a two-RBI single. And this, although it was Xander Andrew Bogarts game again, was another four-for-five game, four runs, three-RBI. Sandy Leone was four-for-four in this game, and he's still hitting a 1,000. So let's give him some props.
1: It was four singles, though. Like, it wasn't like the I It was four-for-four. Like, but one, Sandy Loan is not anywhere in any long-term plans. He's not that good. And the fact is, they were all singles.
3: But a single is still a hit. You go 4-4-4 four, four, four singles, I don't care.
2: Yeah, man, he's been good every time he's played. Don't be hating. Uh, I will.
3: <laughs> if that was <laughs> Xander yeah, cool. Bogarts going 4-4-4 for, for four, four singles, he'd be all over it. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Well, yeah,
2: you would. Right, Lawrence, calling him out on it. <laughs> <laughs> you think yeah. Xander Bogarts is good with his 358 average? Sandy Lowe's hitting 1,000. <laughs> yeah,
1: with four at bat.
2: No, no, no. He said more than that. Five for five. Okay, okay yeah. <laughs> give him his credit where he deserves it. All right. Oh man. Now he did. He did uh, get one at bat today and and uh, got out. So he's hitting eight thirty three now. But through this game, he was five for five. So let's give him all the credit in the world. Okay. So that, so that's a fifteen to four win. So we're thinking we're we're real nice here with our sweep. We got twenty three runs in two games. Outscored them twenty three to five. Brought us into today, Sunday, and this wasn't a bad game. It just didn't work out in the end. Uh, I was an interesting one. Um, Minnesota got up early. They got a run in the first and a run in the second, both kind of piddly runs. RBI ground out, RBI fielder's choice. Um, wasn't really Porcello doing bad. It was just a couple hits, a couple groundouts. Um, but Pat Dean of Boston College pitching for Minnesota, he was he was shutting down the Red Sox, scoreless through four innings. Chris Young got a blast home run. Speak of the devil. Chris Young. His six, He's been tearing it up. I'm telling yeah, you. He's been playing really well. Six home runs now. He's on his way to my 23. Um, that made it 2-1. to one. Twins got two runs back in the sixth inning. Made it 4-1. to one. one was on Xander Bogart's error. He had two in this game, which is very weird because he has only made two the whole season before today. Yep. And now he had two in this game. We'll forgive him. It was tough, but not everyone can be perfect all the time, uh, even though he's darn close to it. <laughs> <laughs> so that made a 4-1 to one for Porcello. Porcello did last seven innings, five hits, four runs. Only one earned because of the two errors, two walks, five strikeouts. So I'd say an encouraging week for him. He got back to pitching pretty solidly, more like you'd expect from him rather than the couple bad outings he had. So that was really good. Uh, and not that his outings were bad. He still went five innings, at least in all of them, and did decent. He just gave up too many runs. So. But he seems to be better now. Um, the Sox tie the game in the eighth inning. Uh, yep. Another error for the Twins this time. Eduardo Nunez threw a ball way over the bag at second into the outfield. The Sox scored two runs on that, and then Ortiz ground a double play to tie it to four. Unfortunately, they couldn't capitalize more there. game went to extra innings, and Max Kepler hit his first career home run, a three-run bomb to center field. Game-winner off of Matt Barnes. Should Craig Kimbrell have been in the game at this point? Yeah. Uh yeah, I'm gonna
3: say yes. <laughs> like I don't really see a reason why he, why he wasn't.
2: Yeah, I mean Barnes has pitched pretty well so far, but you think in a tie game, wrap up the the sweep, just get those guys out. They're not good. Just get them out and get the hitting back up see if you can get a run. Didn't give him a chance since Barnes gave up the three home run homer, Fortunately, so that was that. Seven to four win for the Twins. No sweep. A three and two week. Um, but I mean. Easily could have been five and zero. Oh. It's, I'd say it was a fine week. A lot of a lot more good offense, some solid play all around. Uh, better pitching between only giving up three and ten innings to the Giants, two and nine innings, one to the Twins on Friday. I'd, I'd say it was a pretty encouraging week, despite a three and two record.
3: No. That's, yeah. No. <laughs> <catwalk>. <laughs> yeah, was an encouraging week, and especially you know how they won against the Giants too. The Giants are a very good team. Um, and so that was nice to see. I know they only got one from them, but just like you said earlier, it really could have gone any way in that series. So it was nice to see them just put up a good fight in both games. And, you know, I know we talked last week about the Twins that so we thought is going to be a sweep, but there's always, we talked about, there's always that one game where something can happen. And like today, something did happen in one of those games where it, we, they just couldn't get the sweep.
1: Yeah, and I think that, the first game against the Giants was huge for this team because they took the win before Bob Garner even took the mound. So at that point, your worst-case scenario split with them, and they're a good team. There's no question about it. So um, I think that was a big telling sign for me that it wasn't just some of the bad teams you're beating up. You were able to get, have good games against the top teams in the league.
2: Yeah, it was. It was definitely a good week. Um, MVP. No question about this one. Uh, I don't even need to look at anyone else's numbers. Xander Bogarts was 12 for 24, a nice 500 average, two homers, 10 RBI, five runs. He was obviously 8 for 10 in the first two Twins games. Absolutely nuts. Nobody's touching him this week. A little
1: 500 batting average for the boy right there. Sorry, 11, That's excuse nice.
2: Excuse me, 11 RBI. I missed one. <laughs> even wow.
1: That's good. <laughs> Stop doing my RBI. boy injustice. Don't do my boy injustice. Come on, no. I
3: caught it. It's all good. When you give Chris Young the credit for going four for four, then Jess will give him the props.
1: Yeah, Sandy Young, Sandy Leung. Sandy Leung wow. get out.
2: <laughs> but Chris Young too, home runs this week too, so like, don't forget about him either.
1: Oh, I gave him plenty of credit. I think Chris Young's. I love when they pick him up. I'm, I'm happy he's on this team. I think that a lot of people crapped on Chris Young way too early. Um, and I think that he's. I think he's going to be good for this team down the stretch, especially with Blake Swire probably being off for the ear. No, don't
3: say that.
1: No. You know he's out. He's
3: he's out for the well, year. Keeping that positive vibe.
2: (laughs) But yeah, nobody's touching Um, Bogarts. It was a good week for other guys, you know, between Leon and Chris Young and whatnot. But this was Xander's week, and nobody's going to tell me differently.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great week for Xander. Um, There you go, Jess's recap. Always fun. Improv edition
2: again, because, you know, he
1: he was having a life today, so he didn't have the time to do it all. But, you know, Jess, you're doing a great job with these improv things. You just do it all the time.
2: Yeah, I'm just so familiar with the team and I'm obviously on top of every game so I don't really necessarily need it written out for me to roll on through it.
1: Beautiful job as always. Um, one thing that I did want to make sure we talked about because I know we did talk about this with Rochi, was um, Eduardo Rodriguez because now he's got a couple starts under his belt. Obviously I don't think he's 100% but something's up with him still that is it all injury or is there something mental about him not being able to push off or what what do you guys think's going on with erod right now
3: i mean i think it could very well be both still injury and and mental i mean a, a knee injury is not easy to come back from no matter what it is and to not have that trust in your knee is is crucial like you you don't want to be questioning like if I push off the wrong way, is it going to dislocate again? Am I going to fall to the ground? Like what can I do to like protect my leg and my knee from not giving out? And I don't think he is over that. And I, I mean, I've dislocated my knee before it hurts and it hurts for, even when it's quote unquote healed, it still hurts. And there's still that like trust factor in it. So I can definitely see it being both, but I think he needs to figure it out like yesterday.
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. I think it's definitely a combination of he's probably not comfortable yet, coming off the injury healthy or not, just not comfortable, period. Um, I think there's a lot of expectations on him between because of how well he pitched last year and then just coming in with the injury and everyone wants him to kind of be, you know, that number two starter, which clearly he's not, because obviously Price and Wright are better than him and Porcello is better. They're all better than him at this point. Um, <laughs> there's no way in heck he's the second starter at this point. It's lucky to be the five yep. starter, but... So there's a, lot, I think there's a lot of a lot of hype around him and a lot of pressure on him, and I think that you know people didn't know what he was capable of last year. So he pitched well. Batters didn't know what was coming. Now maybe they know what's coming. His control's kind of all over the place. He had a lot of walks. So I think maybe people were hyping him too much, and maybe he's not as good as he was last year. He could be. I'm willing to to say that he is as well. But between not being comfortable, having a lot of hype, and not being known last year, I'm slightly concerned it, to. Is of how good he really could be.
1: Yeah, I think that it's now, it's like a game of runs. Like, it's like basketball, how basketball can be a game of runs. It's now just, it's his turn now to adjust the league, um, be consistent and kind of start doing more film watching before games. Don't just rely on his stuff because now that he's a known commodity, people are going to be ready to, to play against him. It's not like he's a young kid just coming up. So um, expect him to obviously make his changes. I'm not worried yet, but as the time comes on here, as we get closer to the deadline, um, I think you're going to have to start keeping a closer eye on him because he is ultimately um, the kind of cog that makes you think, okay, are they going to go minor move or are they going to go major move if they really don't have him consistently as he was last year?
2: Yeah, I think it's an important couple of months or even weeks for that matter. Uh, I, I kind of compare him to Travis Shaw on offense because they're kind of in a similar spot both new in their career, both have had success early and now both yep. struggling. It's like exactly the same situation. And like Dan said about Shaw, it's, you know, time to see if he can make his adjustments, see if he can settle into the league, or is he gonna go back to the AAA A and never become anything? I think they're in the exact same situation. So I think it's a very important time for both of them to t- to determine if they're actually going to be in this league or not. Is is Travis Shaw in a slump? I know we asked Dan
1: this, but um is is he gonna come out of this, or, or is he is this just what he is? Is he is he coming back to her?
3: Hmm. I mean, I hope it's not who he is, but I think he just needs to get over the fear and not and it, the fear and his his injury and his knee. And I think he's much better than what he's shown us. I don't think this is the real him.
2: You're talking about Erodor Shaw. Shaw. Yeah. Were you talking about Erod,
3: Lauren? Well, I'm still on Erod. <laughs> I yeah, no problems
2: with Shaw. <laughs> yeah, what?
1: Okay. Lauren, well, Shaw. Sh- <laughs> well, Shaw then. Shaw. Is Shaw on a slump? Is Shaw, is this what Shaw is?
3: No, it's not what he is. He's just, he's in a slump, and he had obviously a very good start to the season, a very good in the past few weeks, and then it's just like any other player when they hit a slump, it's they get really hot and then they, they cool off and then everyone kind of freaks out so
2: yeah I don't I it's tough to know I mean I know Adam picked him because I like bringing it back to predictions I know Adam picked him to be a triple triple a player at best and he didn't think he was going to be a good major league player because he didn't have that good of numbers in triple A and whatnot and obviously he started off so well it's tough to tell at this point because obviously he's in a huge slump I mean he was hitting like 330 he's all the way down to 270 so if you drop your average 60 points you're doing really really bad so hard to tell I think pitchers know how to pitch him now obviously because they're getting him out at this point um so he yeah he has to adjust and that's the question can he adjust tough to tell um I really would hate to see him lose the job after after earning it in the spring training I, I, I'm having a trouble deciding which way I think he's gonna go I'm really not sure
1: <laughs> yeah, it's really up in the air. I think I think you're, it's really I'm really torn too. Um, I want to hope he leans towards what he we've seen him do for the most part. And I think he will, um, but I think he's going to have to just consistently hit lefties and um, become more of a consistent hitter. Obviously, he was doing so much that uh, any slump at all, like you said, Lauren's going to cause most people to panic. Um, but I think that. In the middle ground from what he's been doing and the slump numbers, I think, is where he needs to be. And and I think he's got plenty of time to do that, so I'm not hitting the panic button on Travis Shaw by any means. Um, I'd be more worried about Hanley than I would be about Shaw, and I'm not really that worried about Hanley either. So um, I I think you have to be in the middle ground there. Um, One thing that really concerns me, though, is what you really have for trade assets – with Swihart and Sam Travis not being there, because you know you're probably not getting rid of Ben Tandy or Mankata, um, but this might actually force, if Dombrowski really wants to make a move, he might have to pick one to not get rid of, and actually get rid of one of those guys, and at that point, who do you choose?
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't, go ahead.
3: Oh, so that's a, if I wouldn't want to be in Dombrowski's position with that.
2: Yeah, it's, it's tough, because you obviously don't want to trade the wrong guy if, you know, like trading someone like who could turn into Bogarts or Betts or someone like that. It's obviously challenging to figure out who who that's going to be because it's not always clear for a while. I, I mean, if I were him, I, I hate trades. Obviously, everyone knows I hate trades. I don't like talking about it. I don't like thinking about it. I don't like figuring it out. <laughs> but I, at this point, with those guys injured and the uncertainty of the other guys, like thinking that they're going to be really good players, I think it might yep. be easier just not to do anything. And I know Don doesn't want to do that, but with the team playing so well, the offense playing so well, I think he might just ride it out, see how the offense does, and just hope the pitching can get it in gear. That wouldn't shock me at all.
1: Uh, yeah, it wouldn't shock me if that was the case either, just because I don't think he wants to deal too much just for this year when this team is a fringe – I wouldn't say fringe playoff team. I guess they kind of are, but um, I don't think they're going to make a serious run anyway. So, And I think they feel the same way as an organization, so I think that um, – he's going to kind of play, keep his chips close to himself because I think they really do believe that Benintendi and Moncada both can be in this lineup for years to come down the road.
3: Yeah, I mean, I I can absolutely see why because, I mean, obviously they're both very solid right now. But, I mean, do you kind of throw in a question about both you? Do you see Dombrowski moving either of them?
2: I don't. I don't think so. I mean, Benintendi's just nuts. Everyone's just raving about him. He's flying through the minors. He's really good. Well, look
1: what look what Rochi just said too because he was saying how Scouts have said that they have like the best one of some of the best hitting prospects in the in, like right. in baseball. So like and then you know that includes both of them. So but um, that, like
3: with Dombrowski having the uh the reputation of kind of ruining farm systems, does that uh, like frighten you at all?
1: I don't think it does because I think he know, he pulled the trigger when he had teams that potentially should have won the World Series. Um He doesn't have a team that I don't think... I don't think he sees this team as a World Series team. Um, And I think that because of that, with the future of my... I don't think... I think if he deals with anyone, it's going to be Benintendi. Um, Because I think right now he has more value, so he'd probably get more for him. Um, But I think you can't go wrong either way. I just think that right now he views this team as, let's see what happens, see if the pitching corrects itself. Maybe we can get a minor league... Not a minor league guy, but like a minor deal done that doesn't involve those two.
2: That would make more sense, just... Because you don't want to blow it up with that, but it's hard to know because he might be like, "Well, we can afford to give up one of these guys because we have so many good offensive players already." That's Definitely, yeah, about.
1: exactly. So you, it's just you got to fill in the holes. you got to see what's going on. Maybe you, you have to really evaluate Travis Shaw and what your plans are for the future because then you have to figure out a place for Moncada. If Pedroia lasts longer than you want him to, you got to find a spot for Moncada probably play later on. Is Sandoval going to come
2: back? <laughs> is Sandoval – there's so much to
1: forecast within the next month. You know what I mean? Like there's so much to forecast. Um, and, of course, that fat lard is in the middle of all of it, so you don't know what's going on um, well, until next year. It's
2: funny with him because you're like – Wow, is he ever going to play again? But then you think, oh, Shaw's falling off. What if he turns out to be nothing? And then you're right back to, <laughs> to the end of all exactly,
1: exactly. Yeah, you really are. It's a vicious circle. Yeah. Um, and then you have, but then you have the reports of, out of San Francisco while they were out there that like the, his hitting, his coaches and stuff came out and said like, yeah, he had an eating problem. Like and like they, it was more obvious though. Like they were saying that he used to order pizzas to the dugout because he told his wife that the, the team didn't feed them. So then she would order him food and make him food when he got home too.
3: That's a good wife. <laughs> like,
1: or maybe not. <laughs> <theme music. laughs> like, but I mean, like he would lie to his wife just to get more food, and it's just like it, that's insane to me. And that's the story that we're dealing with now, and that's why you don't know what's going to happen. So Moncada's is right there. Um, obviously, he's, he's still in single A, um, but you never know. In a couple years, what's going to happen?
2: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I just, I don't know how fast he's going to come up, but always. Benintendi will be here first. It seems like it. Yeah, it's always tough to determine. How quickly guys will go through, and you know, not everyone pulls the Mookie bets and goes to the minors like it's like Nothing. one year. It's like oh, like one year, yeah. four league. No, oh, <laughs> major, for you. That doesn't happen very much, so we'll see.
1: Um, so obviously we talked a lot of Red Sox stuff, and I do want to tuck on a few headlines for around the league before we do our predictions and get out of here. Um, Toronto guys, I know this is kind of Red Sox related, but are they scaring you at all? They're they're playing pretty well.
3: I mean, I, I kind of always saw them as a threat this season with how well they played last year. And, and they're always a pretty solid team. So with the start they had, just kind of when and that they had their own little slump, are they scaring me? Not yet, no. But, I mean, they're definitely a team to, to watch out for. Yeah,
2: they're on the verge. I mean, their offense is finally coming together which is why people thought they'd be good in the first place. San Carnacion's finally decided to hit the ball, which took a while because he was hitting like 220. And now he's finally hit a bunch of home runs. He hit several this week, probably like three or four this week. Um, and Batista and Donaldson still aren't doing that well either. So if the rest of them kind of jump on board, uh, and the offense is coming together now. Obviously it's sort of something to watch out for. They have 35 wins, only one less than the Sox and Orioles. They have a couple more losses with 30, but they're definitely right there. And, People expecting to be good, so they're they're going to be ready.
1: Yeah, and the staff's looking better now, and I think they're doing well. So definitely, um, definitely something to keep an eye on, obviously within the division. But one story that I wish would come true um, is the Madison Baumgartner thing. If he wants to be in the Hormone Derby. Um, and apparently Jake, I didn't see this until I just read this now in front of me, but Jake Arrieta wants to, too. Like,
2: yeah, it came out today that he's also interested.
1: <laughs> like, what is that? Um, Bruce Bochy already said no, right, to Madison Baumgartner, so I don't think that's going to happen. I didn't see that, uh, but... I'm pretty sure when it, when it first came out, he uh, I saw something where Bochy said no. Like, he doesn't want him to do yeah, it. Yeah, he uh, he's the
2: kind of guy who would not want that to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I'd be intrigued to see if Joe Madden would let Jake Arrieta do it. I think it be would be more so- likely
2: than Bochy letting him because
1: I feel like if any manager would let their national league pitcher stud pitcher do it it would be Joe Madden.
2: Yeah,
3: I can definitely see Madden doing that, but I think it'd be so fun to see pitchers in the home run derby even if it's just one, like I think it would be so much fun.
2: Get
1: a couple of dingers, get the crowd going, you know? It's it's something different. It's
2: Too bad though cuz I feel like Bumgarner would be more fun than Arietta cuz he's obviously the best hitter.
1: Dude, Baumgartner could make a push. Like, he consistently hits. If he gets, like, batting practice balls, he could put some over the fence consistently.
2: Yeah, I mean, he has 13 home runs in his career. That's awesome. (laughs) I know it's his career. It's not just, like, one season, but it's, you know, over over five or six seasons. But that's really impressive because most guys don't get any. (laughs) <laughs> yeah right. oh no, yeah
1: it, 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 it's him doing it like that is very impressive for sure you
2: have enough guys um, come out saying they want to do it though they might as well just have a pitcher somewhere on Derby <laughs> oh that'd be awesome get like can six.
1: we get buckballs to do it so I can just laugh at him more
2: <laughs> in his lasty batting stance yeah oh man get like six pitchers to do with batting or even four I don't care just Ooh, Bartolo Cologne. Yes.
3: Oh, the helmet would be off everything.
1: day.
2: That'd be so much fun. There you go. You have Bumgarner, Arietta, Buckholz, and Cologne. There you go.
1: Oh, der- that's a home <laughs> run
2: derby.
1: It'd be like the Celebrity Softball game, only better.
2: <laughs> and then all the managers are going to kill themselves because their pitchers are hitting. Right.
1: And I do. And I love the Celebrity Softball game, and I tell you, I, damn, I'm a big fan of the Celebrity Softball game for some reason. That would outdo it for me. I would love to see four pitchers just go at it for a home run derby.
2: So you can not get hurt. You know what
1: would be really cool? A friend brought this up to me the other day if they had a wiffle ball game at the All-Star game. That'd be interesting.
3: That'd be a lot of fun.
1: Like, seeing, like... I I guess you could see the All-Stars playing wiffle ball. Like, how fun would that be?
2: It'd be different. That's for sure. It'd
1: be very different. I thought it'd be a cool idea. I I grew up playing a little wiffle ball, so I I thought it was kind of cool of an idea. Um, But obviously, kind of a big week ahead. Next game for the Red Sox is Tuesday against the Orioles. David Price is pitching, so... Uh, we can kind of go here and make our predictions. Three versus the Orioles, three versus the Mariners. Big home stretch coming. Um, Lauren, how are they going to fare against the Orioles this week?
3: They're going to sweep them. That's what they're- uh, oh, man. <laughs> um,
1: it's optimism. coming back. coming back.
3: It is bold. And I don't know. I'm just feeling good about this week. And I'm going to be at two of those games. So that's hope- why. I'll yeah. be at one of them. Here. Woo. Can't I'll wait. A- but now nice. I think, you know, they're – they're playing really well. I know the Orioles are playing well too, but I think you know home stretch now, and they're just gonna keep just keep on with this with this push they're making, and it's, they're gonna sweep them. Mark my words.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, I think it's gonna be two out of three, just because we talked about it earlier too. Um, you have right and Price going, and I think you win both those games, um, and then from there that wild card at the end. But I think you win two out of three because of those guys are pitching in the series, and I think that's ultimately why well, I just give them the, he- the heads up over them.
2: Yeah, it's definitely smart, and I mean, it's, it's the Orioles are on a downswing right now because they just got destroyed three straight games. Well, not I mean, today was 10-9, to nine, but they were down 7-2 to two yeah. early on. Yeah, They got swept by the, the uh, Blue Jays, so they've lost three in a row, so they're not in the best of place right now, and they are 12-15 and in the road, so I can feel both of your predictions. I'm saying two out of three. I don't think they're going to lose six in a row. That's probably a little too much to ask so but we're at home big games to win your two best pitchers going i feel pretty good about it, two out of three
1: yeah I, I i love two out of three i think they, they're going to do well against the orioles um then you go three against the mariners guys mariners are playing well um cano's having a great year this year mm-hmm. finally kind of living up to his contract kind of he's hitting the crap out of the ball at a park that nobody should be hitting the crap out of the ball at so um i think he's having a good year i have them winning two out of three against the mariners i think that they're gonna ride high off that series against the Orioles, um and, and take care of business here at home.
3: Yeah, I'm going uh, I'm going two out of three as well. Love it. <laughs> um why I I just you know I don't kind of going off my predictions from last week, I know I picked on the sweep um the Orioles this week, but there can be that one game when just something happens and I think that's gonna be against the Mariners.
2: Yeah, I don't think it'll be a sweep. I got two out of three, also. They're 34 and 29, and they're actually 19 and 11 on the road as opposed to 15 and 18 at home. They're way better on the road, which is obviously where they are because we're home. Um, So I think it'll be a good series. Like you said, Jared Cano is playing really well. Uh, I think a sweep would be too much to ask. So going again, two out of three, a four and two week. And it's just, I don't know, with home series and with series in general, I feel like two out of three, if you're a good team, is usually a pretty solid bet. Yeah, because like we said, I mean, you, you lose a game against the Twins, something happens. So,
1: like losing a game against a good team, like one of these two teams, it's not a shame. It's a tough week yeah. ahead. So, if you can take two out of three from both um, teams and go four and two or five and one in Lawrence's case, that's a good week. So, I, I don't I definitely wouldn't bat at four and two, um, especially because if that's the case, you're in first place after the week's over. So, that's always nice to see too. Three and three wouldn't uh, you be a
2: bad week against these two teams.
1: Yeah, really, it wouldn't because these two teams are. Good teams, obviously. You're fighting with Baltimore. You've seen them a few times. The Mariners are doing well at West. So um, really actually a tough week of baseball ahead for the Red Sox guys overall.
2: Yeah, I'm glad they're all home. I think it will be definitely a good test. So, yeah, I say 3-3 three and three and better. We're talking about a good week.
1: I like it. Well, well, there you go. That's another episode of Red Sox Beat. and It, it was great. As always, we appreciate Dan of coming on as well because – Uh, Dan Roach was a good time coming on. We appreciate that. Of course, this show was brought to you by Loot Crate. Uh, It's a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gear. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items that include licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique, one-of-a-kind items, and more. You have until the 19th of this month at 9 p.m pacific time to subscribe and receive this month's crate and when the cutoff happens that's it it's over it's the 19th of every month make sure to head to lucrate.com backslash clns and enter that promo code clns to save three dollars on any new subscription um guys great job we have a good week ahead of baseball of course you can follow us on red Sox uh at red Sox underscore beat on twitter red Sox beat podcast uh, on Facebook. Follow us and uh, rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Another big shout out and big thanks to uh, Dan Roach, Rochi from WBC and the Sports Hub coming on uh, this week. Great guests. So uh, we'll hopefully get him back on at some point down the line, maybe before the playoffs. But before that, that obviously happens. We have a whole season of baseball to fall. So for for this week, just Thomas, Lauren Campbell. I am Jared Scali. Talk to you next week. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio.